Yeah. Well, shall we get this started? Let's get started. All right. I would then welcome <laughs> to those checking in to Inaudible, a new podcast, a new production with my friend Jeremy and me, Ryan. And uh, Jeremy, what is this? How would you describe this this venture, this podcast? I think this is a podcast where having uh, listened to your other podcasts, Living, Love and Light, uh, and hearing these messages from the Confederation, these strange, beautiful messages from the Confederation on a daily basis, uh, it's good to uh, take stock of things, uh, to go back and reflect, uh, to digest the messages, uh, to see what uh, they have in common. One of the uh, ideas from Don Elkins, who was one of the three people involved in LO research uh, from the very beginning, was that there was no scientific way. He was really interested in UFO exploration, uh, the mystery around surrounding that. And that's how he got into channeling. As he got further into channeling and, you know, uh, building a collection of his own data from all of these channeling uh opportunities and sessions, he realized that there was no scientific basis for ever being able to, you know, prove anything with this stuff. The only thing that uh, would be useful would be the sheer amount of data collected would help us see a trend in the messages that might be helpful. And that's kind of been guiding LO research ever since. Given that there's so much data to go through, uh, I think I thought there would be some uh, benefit to just reflecting on what we've been listening to this whole time, uh, along with you, Ryan, uh, to see how the these uh, messages get applied in our lives, uh, where there's confusion um, and where we can see some inspiration uh, to let love live our lives a little better. Yeah, I hear you. I agree. I agree. I think. um you know, I came into this being really floored to find the law of one material and then to discover that the organization that produced that material had a whole backlog and history of transcripts, of, of conscious channeling transcripts where the raw contact is, was a uh, trance or unconscious channeling. Um, so, yeah, you start looking through the old, you know, the old stuff and... Uh, well, first of all, first of all, going into the law of one is so hard when you're coming in cold because you, you, you and I have talked about this before. There is two decades plus of history and, and ideas being being communicated and fleshed out before you get to the raw material. So it's kind of hard to go in to the raw material and kind of understand what's going on. And, you know, I remember there's multiple times in the raw material where Dawn is asking a question. But if you're, if you're tuned to this, you, you realize there's a question behind the question. You realize that there's a reason he's asking because he's searching for an answer. He's hoping for a specific answer. And without that, some of that context, some of that historical context of where they're coming from, you're just kind of second guessing. You're, you're like, I wonder why he's asking this. Like he's clearly looking for a specific response here. So, so I, I decided to go back into, you know, the transcript library and just start reading. 
And I was a bit bummed that there was no, there was no podcast or no, you know, YouTube channel. I could just kind of plug in and repeat and, you know, so yeah. So I decided to just start recording those. Um, and I know you're much farther along in reading those than I am. I think you said you're in the nineties right now. I just started 1998. Holy cow. See, I just, I think I just finished, uh, October 31st, 1976. And, and I'm, I think that was session 156 plus or minus. Cause I, I combined some. So, I mean, I've been doing this since November, you know, and I'm only a couple years in and, uh, holy cow, there's a lot, there's a lot of ways to go. But what's been very interesting, and I know you and I have also talked about this, is how the message evolves over time. The, the core message is the same. And that is essentially, we are all one, you know, love, you know, find the love in the situ, in every situation. Um, but how that, how that message is, is evolves over time has been just fascinating. So, and I know we'll get to that. You know, you will certainly get to that, but how did you, how did you come across the law of one? What was your journey or how did, or maybe it wasn't the law of one, but how did you come into this material? Uh, I found the law of one, uh, LL research, all of that via, like many people via David Wilcock. Um, in fact, mm -hmm. I worked pretty closely with him in the early aughts, uh, helping moderate his, uh, Yahoo group uh, mailing list. Um, and uh, uh, the more that I studied uh, the raw material, the more I found that that was where my real, that's where I felt like the mystery really uh, was located. And I wanted to go into that more. Um, so I've been studying it ever since, I'd say like 2000. Um, and, you know, just doing what I can to find ways to expand that uh, study. And I think you put your finger on something that I wanted to say, which is that a lot of people uh, think the raw contact that LL Research established in the early 80s is the pinnacle of their channeling. And I would certainly agree with that. A narrowband six density contact is a very... Uh, very hard uh, uh, standard to hit, a very hard contact to make, and it takes a lot of practice with channeling. But what you were saying before is very, very important. Knowing how they got to January 15th, 1981, when they made that contact, consciously, I might add, I don't think it was a trance contact at that point. Um, knowing the context, knowing what had worked and what hadn't, how they started getting they're questioning away from the transient topics of Bigfoot and UFO and stuff like that and seeing them slowly over time narrow to this tight focus that then I believe made the narrow band contact possible, made the sixth density contact instead of these fourth and fifth density contacts possible um, is very important for people to understand. And as somebody who didn't really care about the conscious channeling for a really long time, um, and then discovered it when I kind of had like a heart opening, uh, experience back in 2014, 2015, uh, it really grounded all of the somewhat technical, sometimes maybe a little bit cold, uh, delivery and, uh, digestion that raw offers. Um, there's a lot of good meat in there, but, 
when you get the historical context, when you see this in the context of uh, people all around the world trying to find information that's helpful and trying to find different ways to reach out and get that information, I think it makes it a much more poignant uh, uh, event in the history of channeling that when when uh, when Ra comes in, because you see that it, it wasn't just something that magically happened. Uh, it was about a discipline and a protocol that LO Research has established, unlike a lot of other channels and channeling groups. Uh, I don't know anybody who takes channeling as seriously as LO Research to this day in the way that they uh, maintain. They have uh, protocols for maintaining tuning, for getting into a zone where you can do that, do that channeling and do it uh, reproducibly well. Well, right. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm interested to learn more about that, you know, know more about that. But I think I think our dynamic is going to work well, because while you have been exposed to this material, say, two decades now, I came into this, I think, maybe March of last year. And I say March because I started meditating in March specifically. I remember March because I had a, a I started a meditation journal just to write notes about, you know, just experiences and discovery. And, um, but I came into this maybe a, maybe a similar way, <laughs> but mine was through, uh, Tom DeLong, you know, from Blink 182 and Angels and Airwaves. He, I've got, I'm looking at his books up there. I remember my brother gave me a call and we're always, I have a twin brother. And, uh, what I love is that a, we're, we're identical, but our personalities are just they just overlap. So when he finds a book that he loves and he shares it with me, I know I'm going to love it. And he told me, he's like, Ryan, you got to read this book. It's uh, you know, blink. He gave me the whole Tom DeLonge thing. And he said, he basically gave me an overview of the preface of his, of the first book, secret machines and how secret machines, though it is a novel was based on true information. And in the preface of the book, Tom DeLonge goes into his, his connections with, you know, high level military leaders and industry leaders. And long story short is I read this book, loved the story. And when I get on Amazon to, uh, to look, you know, to look for number two, Amazon is suggesting that I also read the law of one. And, uh, I think it, it asked me, it threw up that suggestion a few times before I finally just Googled it. And, uh, and I think I came across Aaron Abke's YouTube channel, where he talks about the seven densities of consciousness. And, you know, that, the whole, that concept, just that whole video blew me away. So I, you know, checked out the material, um, on, is it law of one.net? Law of one.info. Law of one.info. Yeah. Where you can get the, the law of one transcripts for free, read them online. And I just started plowing through it. And, and I thought, secret machines was good. You know, I'm like, holy cow, this is, this is so good. You know, it's so deep. It's so, it's like, it's like such a, it's like a great teacher or a great book. Every time you go back to it, you can get something else that's appropriate for you and where you're at, at that time. And man, yeah, I just loved it. So, but I'm very, I'm interested to explore these ideas with you because, you know, you've had, again, two decades to kind of let these ideas simmer, you know, 
even if you're not consciously thinking about it, they're there in the background and you have a way of subconsciously starting to process some of that stuff. So I'm coming into this so new, but so excited to to have discovered a, a, a new template to of how I experience the world and how I approach challenges. And, you know, yeah, we'll get into all of that fun stuff, but it's I'm just floored. Well, for what it's worth, I kind of envy you because I remember when I first discovered this stuff and how I think a friend told me it felt like putting on an old pair of worn in shoes. It's not just um, the quality of the information. It's the, the element of recognition in there that it sparks in people who really come to love it. Uh, there's something about it that sparks a memory, a deep mm. memory Uh and uh, you can explore that as uh, much as you want. That's the great thing. Uh, a lot of people uh, get into quoting raw back to each other, you know, and getting into intellectual debates. And one of the things that the conscious channeling makes very, very clear is that this is not an intellectual endeavor whatsoever. And so having the conscious channeling, uh, having entities like Hatan, uh, uh, Lytos, Latwi, uh, bringing that more loving, more, uh, what, what's the word, uh, gentle in a lot of ways, uh, take on these ideas. Um, it's, it's very, it puts it in the right context so that then you can take this information that Ra has transmitted and in a lot of ways you can apply it to your life without having to uh, translate it to yourself. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I'm just thinking of the last, the last session that I recorded. Again, I think it was October 31st in 76. And I thought to myself at the end of it, when they first, when I first started reading through the transcripts, it was almost hard to keep going. I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is kind of boring. <laughs> and I know, you know, there's, uh, there's another, um, content creator, Brian Scott with the reality revolution. And every now and then he will do just a transcript reading of a quo transcript. And, and I thought to myself, okay, here I am at the beginning. Well, it's not the beginning, but in 74, okay. At least when they started recording these transcripts and the message is X and I can see where they're at with the quo material. And that's why. And I'm like, okay, th there's got to be some gradation of quality that just increases, you know, or this has to turn a corner. But, um, but yes, it, uh, you know, in the, in the, in 1974, they were doing a lot of sessions, or at least they were writing a lot of transcripts, but the messages were so simple and honestly, a little bit not, not clear. It was constantly seek, meditate. And then understand through service. That was essentially it. And if you didn't know what seeking meant, well, too bad. You had to, you, you got to wait because that, that explanation is coming later. You know, meditate. I mean, it's kind of self, you know, it, meditation is meditation, but they do explain that a little bit better. And then understand. Okay. What does understanding mean? <laughs> you know, it was just challenging to, to, to go through, but, but the more I go through it, the farther along that I get. Yeah, the messages are just, they're just solid. You know, lately it's been, uh, in October at least, the theme has really been the the function of of suffering or the function of 
what what Hatan calls tribulations, well, what we call tribulations, you know, and the fact that if you can see the love in those challenges, um, you know, you're you're well on your path. <laughs> you you're well on the path if you can if you can see that love. So, um, yeah, but it's been it's just been so interesting to see these develop, and I'm and I'm excited to keep pushing and seeing what level are they at when they tip that corner and they they start to channel raw. Um, you know, I'm interested to see is that was that definitely a wow, this is next level, or was it just a necessary step in the ever moving journey forward, you know? And and I don't want to spoil the surprise for you, but <laughs> but I will say that uh, uh, it's also interesting not just to see the build up to raw, but the conscious channeling as they're in the process of channeling raw, they're still running, uh, you know, Saturday or Sunday meditations. Mm. They're still bringing in um, mm. Hatan and Latouille. Um, they are still keeping their chops up. Uh, they're not just uh, relying because, you know, uh, one of the things that's different about the conscious channeling versus unconscious channeling, we should probably get into that, um, is in the raw contact for the vast majority of the sessions, uh, Carla is unconscious. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is an elaborate ritual that is developed that's uh, transmitted by Ra to the group in order to... Uh, sanctify and tune things for the special nature of Ra's uh, uh, contact process. Um, and But they're still doing conscious channelings. And if people who have uh, studied the law of one in depth might remember a moment that they talk about in the Ra contact where Carla almost uh, slipped away in a conscious meditation. And it has to do yes. with the nature of of the conscious versus unconscious, which is not real. It's much more of a spectrum, right? It's, it's a gradation. It is not um, a clear line. And a lot of what the protocols are about is keeping those lines clear because once you are in the flow of channeling, the whole point is to keep your tuning high so that you can say whatever comes to mind. So what do you mean? Tuning is your control. It's the only control you have. So this is, this is uh, one of the, Okay, this is step one in our journey together because I think I've asked you this before and I still I still struggle with the definition, but what do you mean by tuning? And I have heard this before that you have to tune yourself or tune yourself to a higher vibration so you can, you know, I don't know what it means exactly. There was a great uh, Hatan, or maybe it was Oxel, uh, that you recorded recently that talked about, think of yourselves as a harps. Yes. You don't get to change the way that the wind blows through you. Sometimes it blows hot. Sometimes it blows cold. Sometimes it blows hard. Sometimes it's gentle. The only thing that you have control over is your tuning, whether how that how you interact with that wind to uh, express yourself and to express the creator. Same thing. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, is to Work on the discipline of the personality. Another okay. raw, con- raw, raw contact concept. Working on your discipline in order to know yourself better. To Once you know yourself in a fundamental way, uh, catalyst and different things that come up in your life are not threats in the same way that they are. When you're an unknown quantity and you 
are afraid <laughs> that anything that might happen in life might expose something about yourself that you don't understand. And that's what creates, in my opinion, all of the tension. Mm. Understanding yourself on a basic level, your flaws, your strengths, uh, where you come from. And, uh, and perhaps a certain level of acceptance of who you are. Well, that gets into uh, Ra. So Ra basically made it very succinct, right? Know yourself, mm -hmm. accept yourself, become the creator. Hmm. Hmm. So tuning is a way to know is the result of knowing and accepting yourself and becoming the creator because you have made a conscious dedication of your mind and your heart uh, to a higher purpose than the mundane things that we busy ourselves with uh, in day-to-day -day life. Okay. It's kind okay. of like um, getting yourself in a headspace. You can think of it that way. And then, the, of course, there the, the tuning does imply a vibrational component. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's important to understand that the Confederation sees everything as vibration. Yes. Okay. So let me put it back in the way I understand it and see if, I, if I'm getting close. Tuning is essentially understanding yourself, perhaps understanding how you're going to react to the winds of change, for example. Um, and I'm guessing that understanding is one thing, but putting in, putting into the, putting into practice is really where the tuning comes in. I would imagine that, okay, I can understand myself, but if I still react, if I still go off the wall, when, um, when the garbage isn't taken out on Tuesday and the garbage man comes on, on Wednesday morning, you know, that's, I would imagine that, uh, you know, knowing something, understanding something, and then putting it into practice, there's gotta be a, a, a correlation there or a, uh, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm getting? Yeah. At? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think, um, you know, uh, psyching yourself up for something mm -hmm. is a kind of tuning, mm -hmm. uh, hate reading uh your twitter feed or your facebook feed and looking <laughs> that, at all the wrong people that is that's a, a kind of tuning what we're talking about are actions that you take to affect a change in consciousness in yourself mm -hmm. it's right next door to magic and mm -hmm. and uh ritual magic in the sense that you are making yourself a certain kind of vessel you're a, you can be a vessel for anything you want there are tons of signals coming into into us from the universe at any given moment, more than we can ever pick up on. Tuning is a way that you find the subset, the band that you're interested in. Hmm. And the idea is, is that our experience, if it's understood less as this uh, weird phenomenon that we wake up, go through, and then it ends every day uh, in our sleep, but instead as this kind of, uh, song is this kind of tone that is always going on and we get to choose which part of that we tune into which channel we're on right uh that's what tuning is and the idea is that as we get to know ourselves better we know when we're in tune and we have an idea of what kind of tune we're interested in what kind of hmm. tuning we're interested in hmm. i just had a thought as far as tuning and maybe how I've changed since I've, you know, since I've grown out of my twenties, I'm 37 now, but I'm sure in my, 
in my earlier days, I was with my son on um, on Saturdays. We go to a place here in town. It's just it's like we call it the the meat the sausage store because they got these great in house made sausages and pepperonis. And once we're out, my two year old son, he we cannot go back to my truck until we sit down and we eat a pepperoni stick. So we're sitting there eating a pepperoni. E- each of us has got a nice pepperoni stick, and. Um, and I can see from down the block, this guy's coming towards, this guy's walking towards us and he's got this super happy dog. And I can see, I can see this play out in my head. I'm like, that dog is going to take my son's pepperoni stick. And I see that, and I didn't do anything to stop it, but the, from a whole block away, I see this guy nonchalantly come up, you know, and his dog happy, happy, <laughs> happy as ever. And that dog, once he got a whiff of that pepperoni stick, he just yumped. He just took it right from Emmett. <laughs> And I immediately felt terrible for the guy because I'm like, oh no, his dog ate my kid's pepperoni stick. What if his dog has like colitis or what if his dog can't has that special diet? And I'm like, oh my gosh, sir, I'm so sorry. And he's looking at me like, I'm crazy. Like what? I My dog just took your kid's pepperoni stick, you know? <laughs> but But I remember coming away from that experience thinking, that I wonder, you know, you put a different person in that situation, a different person sitting down, maybe a person who's who's frustrated and angry. And the only thing they have in this world is that Saturday with their kid eating a pepperoni stick. And when someone else comes up and their dog snatches it, that might not be a good experience. You know, that might have been a very different reaction. But I but I thought about that as like, huh, it's funny. That guy felt terrible, but I felt terrible as well for him and for his dog. You know, but it just, it made me think of, I wish I could feel that way about everything that I do. Just concerned about how others are doing, you know, making, you know, making sure they're happy and taken care of. And, you know, I wish I could feel that way more often, certainly trying, but, um, but it was just a clear moment like, huh, that's what it feels like to, uh, to be to be zeroed in, to be tuned in on on uh, you know caring for the well being or you know uh, trying to meet the expectations of someone else, but um, yeah, and it's a good example of uh, how service actually plays out in the real world too, um, mm-hmm. because it often is a surprise if it does uh, really show somebody something different, something loving that they didn't expect. Uh, that's a little bit of service. That's a little bit of uh, cluing them in to, you know, it, there's a mystery out there and mm-hmm. we all live our lives, uh, in a very civilized world where, uh, risk and, uh, tentative things are tried, are, we, we try to minimize them as much as possible. And so to show somebody something that they don't expect that's positive and loving when they expected to be, uh, scolded or something like that, um, those are the kinds of things that plant seeds in people that that they, it doesn't mean that they uh, they love you and they uh, appreciate you and they turn their whole lives around. What it means is that it is it has the possibility of starting their own seeking process. Yes. And they are the are the drivers. Yes. And I we think, have to be OK with that. I think planting the seed, that's we're going to have to save that for another and maybe episode two, but that's been a, uh, that was at least a consistent theme in uh, September, October of 76 was planting the mm-hmm. seed. And that's a, it's a great visualization and a great 
a great lesson, but uh, we'll have to save that for later. But I want to go back because I, I kind of pulled you away from where you were going with tuning. You were starting to go into conscious channeling and the tuning of the instruments. And then I cut you off with, with the question. So can you get back into that when you're doing the conscious, when they are doing the conscious channeling? And there's a tuning aspect that goes into the actual experience of, of conscious channeling. Well, I don't know exactly how they did this stuff in 74, 76, mm -hmm. all that. In fact, I'm not sure that there's anybody. Uh, there may be people who are still alive who participated in those sessions, but I'm not aware of them. And they'd be impossible to track down mm -hmm. um, because this was before Jim McCarty got involved in LO research. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, but the what Carla was able to develop and she wrote about this a little bit in her channeling handbook, uh, is that you need to, like Ross says, uh, ritual magic is, or magic, is the ability to affect changes in consciousness at will. We all experience changes in consciousness. The idea is, what if you could be uh, in control of that instead of just having your mood swings and the things that like throw you off or like get you on the path Instead of those things just happening to you, you create a space and a time where uh, you can tell your deep mind, okay, that was mundane experience, but now we're doing something special. We're doing something different, and I really rely upon you. So I am creating a means of communication between my deep mind and my conscious mind where we have a relationship. And the way to do this, I mean, this this actually um, is a lot like, uh, oh, what do they call it? Uh, Neurolinguistic programming. Yeah. Kind of the same thing. Uh, you are creating triggers for yourself um, in order to put yourself in a space where you can reliably be of a different consciousness or tuning mood, however you want to say it. I can relate to this in in multiple ways. One that comes to mind is is my dad. He, uh, I grew up with a small business owner. He has a fence company. He had a fence company and he put my brother and I to work at a very young age. And I did not, I thought I knew my dad. And then I saw him at work as the boss with everything on the line. He's responsible for the success of the business, which is responsible for our family's well-being. And all of his employees' families' well-being. So he feels like he's carrying a lot of weight. And at work, I mean, talk about an object example of yin and yang or, or night and day or, you know, he was completely different. He walked into that office and it was game on. It was, it was, it was wild to experience, but I think it was my first experience of what people are capable of when you do when you do this, when you create a space for yourself and you're like, okay, I, I need to have this attitude or this focus or whatever it is when I'm here. And then when I go over here to this other place, I can, I can relax a bit or I can change the focus, you know? So I, I think that's what a lot of people are having problems with in the pandemic is that going to an office is a trigger to yourself that now I'm in work mode. Mm -hmm. Going home is a trigger that now I'm in rest mode. And no, we don't have those uh, triggers anymore. Yeah. So we're always working or we're never working. Yeah. I, I, I know you. I have that problem. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah. My wife, my, my, my wife and I try to hang out at night, you know, but 
she's always asking, do you have work? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> my office is right there. I've always got work to do. It's hard to, it's hard to shut it off, you know? So yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, boy, gosh, where do we go from here? There's like the whole world, <laughs> you know, there's so many different directions we can go. Well, I think that maybe uh, following the tuning uh, topic into the nature of channeling in general yeah. might be useful for somebody who, for whom uh, this, they're used to like a medium at a psychic uh, mm, uh, mm. A place yes. where like, you know, you pay some money and they like channel your like dead grandma. Like or Cleo. Something. Like I just remember yeah. Cleo on, on TV. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think, I think that uh, is a completely legitimate uh, skepticism to have 100%. Um, there is a lot of, uh, there are a lot of people out there who are frauds. Um, mm -hmm. There's no doubt about it. There's also a lot of people for whom relating to others and trying to help them through some alternative means might even be like a positive thing that they're trying to do, even though they're kind of like pretending to be somebody else or something like sure. that. Uh, I don't, it's not something that I would necessarily approve of if anybody's asking for my approval, but like you can, there, there is a service element to, in other words, adopting another identity for the purposes of service. In other words, you can tune yourself to anything, but the purpose for the tuning has a lot to do with how you achieve it. Right. And the quality of it. Okay. So, so I think of channeling as, um, Playing on the principle that identity, our identities as people, as individuals, is really not as fixed a thing as we'd like to think. Our egos, our personalities, they're real and they're there, but they're not as the, the, the lines are not very uh, thick. We can go. We, we all have had the experience of feeling like a different person. We've all heard voices that we maybe don't recognize as ourselves and yet they very much are and see part of ourselves maybe competing on a on a choice that we have to make or something like that uh i see the whole concept of channeling and i think this is very in line with the confederation philosophy uh as being one of uh identity is mutable and therefore because our thoughts are not as restricted to ourselves as we think they are. The real nature of thought is that it is a pool in which we all dip. Uh, it's mm. not our little kitty pool. It's actually a gigantic pool um, that whether or not we're talking from a confederation identity or some other identity or our own identity is th those are all valid ways of expressing the creator. And so when we tune all we're trying to do is uh, tune into a specific like character of what is always and ever the same creator, the same self, the same uh, unending uh, 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 array and spectrum of consciousness and uh, creator creatorship. Mm -hmm. So would that mean that that as you as you're tuning, as you're tuning, let's say as you're just, well, for better, for lack of a better way of me hashing this out, as you're trying to raise your vibration, as you're trying to really fine tune, does that mean that you essentially, if you're able to achieve that, do you 
you essentially become exposed to or perhaps have access to a different idea different pool of ideas you know if it's if it's one conscious pool of how did you put it you put it very well it's not we have what is it you're dipping thoughts? into a pool of consciousness yeah of thought yes. yeah um so well i think the best way for uh, a listener to get to the bottom of this is for them to explore it themselves for mm-hmm. them to meditate to quiet their mind which is a hard thing to do in and of itself it takes practice you're not going to do it perfectly when you first start keep doing it that's the only the confederation never said that you had to meditate well they just say try they even that's they even the starting point they even say you can you don't have to meditate long <laughs> that even yeah. a few seconds or a few minutes is enough if you're you know it what's just important is that you do it that you right. make that time mm-hmm. but clear your mind take when you have some time to do so clear your mind and then observe yourself observe the na- observe the nature of thought observe the nature of your own thinking one of the things that uh uh hatan has put a very fine point on that i had forgotten about in listening to the 70s messages uh is oh crap i just lost it um <laughs> Dang it. I had a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it'll come back. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Retune. Retune. It'll come back. (laughs) Seriously. So you're dipping into this pool. uh, You're meditating. Oh, yeah. um, The only way that we we cannot consciously analyze ourselves. Mm -hmm. They say that that is impossible. And I think that uh, the history of psychology and psychotherapy demonstrate that very well, that you do need some other party involved to be able to have anything close to an objective view of your of your of your cognitive conscious uh, processes. Mm-hmm. Well, getting into a slightly different attitude of mind, a slightly different quote unquote identity by just observing what goes on in your head as you try not to think of anything, you're going to see the nature of thought in uh the Buddhists have millennia of teaching and frankly, like, you know, practices and technologies for understanding this. They understand very clearly that, you know, the mind is kind of just going on its own inertia. It's just going to keep generating stuff. Mm-hmm. This is where our ego and our personalities come from. This need to keep up with this constant, they call it discursive thought, right? This okay. chatter that we have with ourselves. Oh, yes. And so... The, the idea is to simply observe that, to see what the nature of thinking is. And then you you can start to have some agency in uh, participating in it more consciously, right? Mm-hmm. How would you describe, because I, I realized when I started meditating a year and change ago, um, what did I say, March of last year? So has it really only been like one year that I've been meditating? But I think it took me a couple, maybe even a couple months. I'm just that dense of of understanding what meditation is or like how to do it. I mean, you come into it, okay. You come into it not knowing anything about meditation. And the first the question you ask is, well, how do I meditate? And when somebody says, oh, you just sit there and you just you try to empty your mind and that's it. You're like, that's it. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> but 
but that is what it is. But how would you, I mean, how would you describe it for someone coming in new, coming in cold, who wants to start experiencing this, who wants to start meditating? What's a simple way to get started? Uh, yeah. Uh, first of all, apologies for my beagle. Seems like he's uh, excited about something. Um, so again, I, I would, I would prefer anybody interested to uh, Buddhist thought. Uh, I believe it's Pima Chodron uh, talked about her teacher and how when uh, Trungpa Rinpoche came, first came to America and set up uh, a Sangha and, and started teaching, people had a very hard time meditating in the way that Buddhists talk about of clearing your mind mm. because it's hard. It's, it's kind of like don't think of a pink elephant, right? Oh, yeah. Like, it's right there. You, you can't do that, right? Like you always have to have an object to think about. And that's kind of how we think of our own minds. Um, so what he said, he's changed his uh, instructions from don't think about anything, clear your mind completely, and said, uh, concentrate on your breath. Hmm. Have a very, very light touch of concentration and attention on your breath. That gives you something to hold on to that feels like you're holding on to it. But very, very quickly, you'll find out that you're not really paying attention to your breath you're really not paying attention to anything. Yeah. That's a shortcut that the Buddhists uh, came up with that I think works really well. That's a great point because I just thought there was a, every now and then they will, the confederation in the channel and the conscious channelings will give meditation lessons or essentially channeling tips to the, you know, to the group members. And I do remember a couple, or at least one in particular where Hatan is saying that you sit there you know, the idea is to focus on nothing, but like you've just said, it's near impossible. So if you, if you think, if you remove all thoughts except for one, and let's let that one be your breathing. And then, then just as you said, you'll notice, yeah, you're not thinking of anything. And that's, you know, and as thoughts come in, yeah, put, you know, recognize it, let it go. That's the important thing that I, that kept me from meditating regularly for a long time is that I thought if thoughts entered, then that meant I wasn't doing it right. Mm. And I eventually gave up because, hey, I can't stop thinking about stuff. But that's, I realized uh, when uh, reading some of these Buddhist people, that's the completely wrong attitude. Uh, the idea is that, uh, the way they describe it is that the mind is a blue sky. Clouds sometimes come across the sky and then they go away. This is their metaphor for the nature of thought. Thoughts come in, Thoughts go away and you are keeping your center and, and your uh, position of observation fixed so that you can learn that you are not compelled by any thought. You are the master. The thoughts are not the master. And if the thoughts come in, then you, you, you acknowledge them and you, and you let them go. And as you get used to, to seeing things come in, even things that really disturb you mm -hmm. and letting them go, you start to get used to the idea that thought is not something that is happening to you. It is something that you participate in. You are not compelled by any thoughts. And you can have this more gentle relationship with yourself where you then can start to do things like discipline the personality to be uh, ready for certain highly tuned acts when you want to, when you want to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'd be a good skill to have. 
I think what, what, well, believe it or not, it wasn't even the law of one that, that got me into meditation. I think it was a Joe Rogan podcast and he was, I think this was, this was probably the fourth or fifth time I had heard a similar, uh, thought from a, from one of his guests, but they basically said they had, they were having better ideas. Once they learned how to calm down that constant chatter in their mind, they were able to just have clearer ideas, better ideas. I'm like, I want that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> my gosh, that would be great. So maybe I'll, maybe I'll try to learn this thing, but, um, but it has been helpful. I think, and then one interesting idea that I keep coming across that is it's slowly simmering is in the Confederation material. Every now and then Hatan will say, you know, the, the, the instrument is questioning whether or not these are his thoughts, but then they'll correct and say, well, yes, these are his thoughts. And they are also our thoughts because they're the same thoughts, you know, because we are all one and we all have, you know, it's just this very interesting idea that kind of goes back into tuning. You know, if you, mm -hmm. if you're trying to live on a certain, on a certain level, dare I say that because I, I don't, you know, it has a connotation of, in our culture of like judgment, like, oh, I have a higher vibration than you, which is, <laughs> is upsetting. But anyway, <laughs> um, when you're, when you're tuning to that certain level, yeah, I'm really interested. What type of thoughts become available? How does your outlook slowly but surely shift or change? Or what insights do you have about, you know, your experiences with others or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The, 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 the metaphor I'd use is think of what you used to think about when you were like six or eight years old, right? That was still you. Yes. But completely different concerns, <laughs> a completely different there. You couldn't even enumerate the different the ways of difference, right? Like mm -hmm. it, it's uh, it, it, that's that that is why tuning is an act that you take. Uh, in order to give yourself kind of like to spit to sort of dilate the time to 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 provide yourself a uh, threshold over which to cross so that you mm -hmm. are in a different state of mind. Um, and then uh, when you're in this different state of mind, uh, you will have different thoughts. I don't care how you establish that different state of mind or even what your tuning is. Uh, once you have, I mean, think about when something uh, surprises you and how time just comes, like if you get in a car accident or something like that, Time just stands still, right? And it's almost yeah. like everything, sometimes everything happens in slow motion. These are changes in consciousness that are occurring to us based on some catalytic uh, 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 action or some event that occurs to us. The idea is to participate in that more consciously by taking the time to do so and then to open yourself up in that uh, uh, more refined state of consciousness that you uh, discover. And once you do open yourself up, you will notice that you have a quality of thought that is completely different. Now, uh, it may not be that you need to channel that, right? Like that's, that's a whole different thing because there's a, there's a responsibility that comes with speaking the words that come to your mind when you're claiming to be in a different state, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that becomes a, an issue of a, a duty that you have, uh, to, to lots of different, uh, 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 interests. But, um, yeah, I later on in uh, Confederation instruction on channeling, uh, they make it very clear that they want a mix. 
they do not want normally mm-hmm. to have 100% fidelity to their message transmitted through a channel. They ask for a 70-30 mix, I believe. It's 70% them and 30% us. Remember, uh, the whole service of channeling is taking these highly refined thoughts, pure and on a completely different level of reality than we experience. Mm -hmm. And trying to find some way to project them into a limited reality. If they could do that on their own, they would. They need us to translate. It's almost like think of it as a step down transformer in a power grid. You are taking that high voltage. It's very powerful um, and it needs to be powerful in order to go long distances. But once it gets to your house, you don't need that power. You need to step it down so it's useful. Uh, In a lot of ways, what you're trying to do as a channel is you're trying to step down their thoughts into concrete words. And that in and of itself is enough of a discipline and task that uh, nobody in the Confederation expects us to transmit their ideas with 100% fidelity. In fact, a very common experience of channels is when they come out, when, when the session's over and they're in their chatting, they're like, ah, oh, I left so much of their thoughts, so much of their message on the table that I couldn't transmit. That is a constant refrain of channels. That's interesting. Even Carla used to say that. See, I didn't know that until I just got, well, it, it, you told me, but um, that pings, that resonates with me because there was a session not too long ago that I, re- I mean, in the seventies, but at least with I, what I recorded um, where there's a channel who goes by H and H at the end of it, they caught the recording. So it made on, made it onto the transcript, but H is yeah. saying that, you know, he, it went by so fast. He just had to, there was so much, he just had to go with it and, and leave like, just like what you said, he had to leave it on the table. And he was describing the feelings of love or the the concept of love that he was getting. Um, yes. Or maybe it's a she, I don't know if H is a he or a she, but. Me either. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but that's, but that's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, how do you, you know, they say that they, they deliver concepts to the channel. And then it is up to the channel to filter those concepts through their own understanding, their own ideas, their own language and skill sets into something verbal. And they're constantly saying that verbal language is is terrible, terrible for communicating. <laughs> you're getting you're getting across the entire all the ideas. And and you wrote a great essay that I don't think you've published yet about about verbal communication. You know, yeah. But um, but one thing um. I think it's even early on. I think it's in session one of the raw material. Raw when they when when raw pops in, they say we are. I mean, I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but we want to provide another, you know, a somewhat different slant on information is that, that is always the same, always and ever yeah. the same. And I, you will come across that in other in other channel material with other other entities that that the message is the same. The words can be different depending on who's channeling. And I think my wife even asked me about this. She's like, why is it that, why is it, uh, well, oh boy, I'm going to digress hugely if I go down that path, so I won't do it. But, uh, but, but my response to her was essentially the same thing, you know, the same thing that wherever these messages come from, it's always being filtered through your brain and whatever Mm -hmm. is in your brain 
um, at that time. So uh, it, it's, I, I might also add that one of the constant uh, admonitions of the Confederation is for the listener or the reader to use their own discrimination. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important reason. Uh, I, I think that uh, the fact that the channel does participate to some extent in the message alone, that makes it important to not ascribe authority to these messages, right? Like you have to take responsibility for your own learning and you can't just like, you know, let Ra or, or some other, you know, uh, uh, entity, uh, live your life for you. Like, uh, it's up to you. And, um, when you decide, I really resonate with that idea. Eh, that's not really for me. Like you also, are doing a kind of channeling in the sense that you are discriminating and translating a generalized message to your specific to, to the application of your individual life. And hey, that's a part of seeking is trying to figure out how to take all these ideas, all these feelings um, and figure out how to live a human life with all of it. Right. Yeah, I think that's huge. That's huge. And you can even get a sense of that. What you've just pinpointed you can get a sense of that in some of the some of the early sessions. There's one in particular when I think that it's relatively new in the game when they're doing question and answer with Hatan. And I think Dawn asks Hatan, what happened? He says, what happened to the pilot in Australia? You know, there's a there was a there was an event where a pilot um basically disappeared i think it was off the coast it was either i'm i'm sorry it's either australia or florida i know those are very different but that's what's in my mind a pilot and i only know this because i because i googled this later and on or at least wikipedia if that's a valid source but a pilot disappeared and there was supposedly perhaps like a ufo sighting you know along with it and don asked what happened with the pilot and I think he phrased the question so that the answer would go to Don, Carla, and there was a third meditator, a third channel there as well. But they all got different answers. I think Don got say like the, the, the uh, that he that he died. You know, they tried to do something and he died. Carla said that they abducted him, or you know, and then the third guy got it. It was all a little bit a little bit different, you know. So it's like, huh, okay. Something happened with the pilot, but everyone's getting a different impression as far as, you know, and there might be truth in each of those. It might be perhaps it's a concept that encompasses somewhat each of them, but it can be interpreted in a different way. Maybe he died during an abduction event, or maybe it was, maybe it's something deeper. I mean, you know. Yes, there's another possibility here okay, right okay that somebody's just wrong right oh, oh, the, oh yes <laughs> and that it, it is in the raw material in the raw contact that they really articulate this with a lot of clarity and helpful fidelity to this concept they say that the more transient the questions and information sought are Right. The more it deals with the mundane, the, the, the fantastic details of day to day life, like, oh, where do UFOs come from? Uh, you know, uh, a- asking questions about like specific details of when an earth change might happen or what happened to this pilot. The more detailed it becomes in our experience, our kind of tuning 
that we all are in in order to uh, be in a society, right? That's a tuning, right? Mm-hmm. That we're all in. Mm-hmm. The more it gets to that, and the more it gets away from the timeless information, from the philosophical information that will be the same in this civilization and in a civilization 10,000 years from now, right? Uh, the, the farther it gets away from that, Ross said that the information becomes distorted. Interesting. Because you're having to do more of that translation. Huh. Interesting. I mean, that's my take is that you're doing more of the translation. Uh, sure. And there's all these expectations wrapped up on it. It wrapped up in it. Um, the more that it sticks to the philosophical time, timeless stuff, uh, the more likely it is that you don't have like some sort of like human interest in it. So you're not trying there. It's not that you're trying to distort the information. So there's nothing to distort with. Right. Because you don't have an interest in, you know, how many octaves there are or like, you know, uh, 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 what the nature of six density is like, or any of these, or what the nature of love is like, right? Like mm. you can, you can leave these things in a more mysterious uh, setting. And that allows you to be a little bit more objective and a little less needing to uh, put your own spin on things just to make it articulable. Right. Mm-hmm. That's uh that's a great point. That's a great point. I do enjoy when, when in the middle of a, of a session, they have to change channels because for example, they're trying to give geographical information through Carla, but Carla's terrible at geography. So they're like, sorry about this. <laughs> or at least she says when she's channeling, she's like, this instrument is terrible at geography. And <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, always so interesting to just, to just read these, read these messages and Take the, what is the right word? All of the thoughts, all of the ideas that we've just outlined, the fact that humans are fallible, there's this, you know, 70-30 concept of of information from the confederation and then 30 from the channel. Um, the translation of concepts and ideas, it's, I'm thinking, at least when I'm reading the sessions and I'm recording those sessions, I'm thinking of that all the time because they're again they're great messages you know but maybe it goes back to that base that base level take what resonates with you and discard the rest because you know what i we've talked about this before if you come across a hard-hitting truth that feels powerful to you does it matter if it came from an alien abraham lincoln or your next door neighbor you know it doesn't matter because an idea is an idea is an idea. And if it's a powerful idea that will improve your well-being and livelihood, roll with it, brother. <laughs> Just go with it and go hard. Amen. You know, go hard. Um, yeah, that's what and going back to again our first our first conversation, you know, there there's a subtle but important difference between facts and truths. And you can come across some pretty good truths. In things that are not factual. I mean, you can take to take the Count of Monte Cristo, you know, a novel, completely made up story. It is just packed with great lessons that someone can take, you know. So, um, but yeah, it's just this, those are just things I think about when I'm com- when I'm going through some of these sessions. That uh, some of the ideas in them are just they're just fantastic. They are, and um, remember that. Uh 
when you're when you're uh, sort of appraising these ideas uh, that what is the purpose for the message, right? Why is this message even purportedly being given? It's not to get you a raise at work. It's not to uh, make sure that you have no troubles in your life. Even um, there is something much more important going on. It is about the evolution of mind, body, and spirit towards higher and higher vibrations, not as a way of uh, stratifying people in a society. Again, that is a means to learning. It is not the thing that we're shooting for. We're shooting for becoming better and better versions of ourselves and participating more and more consciously in that progression of the what Ra calls the upward spiraling light. Mm hmm. The more that you can participate in that consciously, the more your life won't get better. That's not the point. The point is, is that you will use the material of your life uh, to learn more about yourself, to learn more about the creator and to uh, give the harvest of all of that to the creator in a more and more pure way so that um, the whole mystery of this experience of being separate from the creator uh, yields value. Yeah. There's something about being separate from the creator that we wanted to explore. Let's use this time to do it as best as we can. Yeah. I think in, uh, was it the session that was published yesterday? We're recording this on April 4th. So I think it was April 2nd or April 3rd. Um, I believe it's Hatan who's saying that, you know, on the other side, maybe in what we would call the astral planes, it's a place where our thoughts are literal things and we experience that infinite love all the time and looking in on this plane you wonder to you wonder to yourself you're like if i was there with with the veil of forgetting and not knowing what 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 truth it, it, you know what the universe really is could i pass that test could i really know the love and the understanding, you know, could I, so why not go to school? Why not take that test? You know, test yourself, see if, um, see if you can, see if you can find it. Yeah. It's not a, uh, it's not a commandment, right? It's an invitation. Mm -hmm. That's what I love about. That was one of the first things that drew me to Ra's message is that, for example, when they're talking about how all of this began and they talk in terms of uh, enumerated distortions, right? The first distortion, they, they say in all of the Confederation material that everything is love and everything is light. But Ra says, no, the first distortion is free will. Yes. The first distortion is free will and love as we even in this expansive definition of love that comes after the idea that. The creator has bestowed on all of us this uh, free will to explore themselves as we see fit. And it's our choice. Yes. So when we that what I think people need to understand, uh, because they're coming from a religious background where it's all about some sort of duty that you owe to some uh, jealous creator. Right. Mm -hmm. Some jealous God. Instead, it's about uh, liberating yourself um, to make a full-throated uh, declaration of what you believe and to see how that plays out in the world. And the best, the strongest, the, um, the purest way to state those ideas is to live your life as an example of them and then to evaluate how that works out. I hear you. 
I hear you. I think again, it was maybe yesterday's yesterday's session. Um, Hatan states it just put it brilliantly that you know the the one infinite creator created this infinite creation. Sorry for all the created words. <laughs> and then in the ultimate act of humility, gave yes. its creation the ability to remake that creation. And I love that idea because you you take um, at least my my early experience with Christianity in that you have a God, an active God that cares and that is really involved in everything, but is but is separate from and is always looking down upon. Whereas this philosophy is a bit more empowering in that we are all the creator, we are all responsible for this development, and we have the power to create. In, and that's, it's just um, that, but I, I just love that sentence. The infinite creator and the ultimate act of humility gave its yes. creation the ability to remake that creation. Well, well I will point out that uh, Hatan was speculating when they said that, oh, right? They okay. weren't sure, right? <laughs> like, and that's a great example of, of uh, their humility in describing the creator's mm-hmm. humility, right? Um, it, it is, and this is the nature of these entities that we are dealing with. They are, they are kind, gentle, helpful entities that are only here to give us a single message that they're willing to repeat in different ways over and over and over again, over a course of 50 years of LL research. It has been 50 years, hasn't it? That's wild. That's uh, wild. The rock contact was 40 years ago in January. That is something else. Yeah. And uh, what one thing that constantly comes to my mind is just they do they do explain their challenges with time because they claim they're they're outside of our time. And so that's a challenge. So when they're constantly saying that very soon this will happen and very soon you're going to, you know, your cycle of experience will end. And I'm thinking very soon to me or to you? Because if it's to me, I'm expecting like next week. But that was in the 70s. They were saying this stuff, you know, and I and I know in the in the raw material they're talking about, you know, this this transition being anywhere even up to 700 plus years of of. Well, you got to dive into the raw material, really, unless we want to go down the uh, third, fourth, fifth density rabbit hole of explaining that. But but uh, but just the idea of time. They're outside of time. They're they're trying to help. Uh, but as you said earlier, you know, many times the 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 meditators, the group, they're concerned about what's going on now. Earth changes mm-hmm. and what's going on in California. I think right now in 1976, they're asking a lot about uh, what's going to happen as far as Earth changes and and uh, maybe tectonic shifts in, in California and elsewhere. And um. The higher message, though, is love. You know, they'll get into the nitty gritty every now and then, but they'll say, but the, what they keep repeating is, is love, you know, love and understanding. And in some of the uh, uh, session transcripts, even in the rock contact, you can, if you're, if you're looking for it, you can detect a little bit of consternation on their part sometimes mm. having to answer this like detailed information that isn't uh, pertinent to the main thrust of their message. Yes. I think, I think, I think that's charming, you know? Yes. <laughs> I, I loved how in the, um, throughout all of the raw contact, 
they're very good about not asking. They don't direct. They let Don do the questioning, except in episode one. <laughs> they yeah. ask the le most leading questions, you know, and I love it. I just yeah. love it. Um, <laughs> they they give a coaching session in, in, the, in the first session, you know? Yeah. There is one other area in the raw contact where they make a specific request uh, that they insist on. And it has to do with this uh, unpublished healing material that mm. is outside of the bounds of the any of the published stuff. Huh. Um, but with that exception, uh, they, they yeah, they've been an open book. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. So I think we've been at this for. I know we started recording early, but I'm at uh, 120. Yeah, where that's about at? where I'm at, too. Did we want to hit anything else before uh, before we sign off? Let's see. Well, I think that there, for me personally, it's important that people approach the subject of channeling uh, in a way uh, that is is inclined to see it less as some exotic uh, undertaking and more as uh, one example of a more general principle. Mm-hmm. You mind if I go talk for about it? That no, I'm really All interested right. in this because if I can preface this, yeah. I'm not the type of person that believes in eh, in magic. You know, right. I, I think there are rules. We might not understand the rules of the universe all the time, but there are rules. And I believe in um, replicability. If someone can do it, anyone else can do it so long as they follow the same process as far as they, you know, so I'm very interested in this. Um, and I know I've asked you before, how do you do this? Is it hard? Uh, <coughs> you know, so I would love to get your take on, <coughs> pardon me, in channeling in general. Yes. Uh, so um, the idea is that we I've said before that uh, when you tune yourself or when you get in a different mindset or when the world puts you in a different mindset, uh, different thoughts occur to you, different feelings uh, uh, announce themselves within you. And in a way, you're kind of a different person. Hmm. Uh, so I feel that uh, channeling is just this very, very articulated version of that, where we have put out a call to an entity that we purport to be there. Um, and then we become receptive. That is basically all it is. In fact, um, as somebody who has done a little tiny bit of channeling, I'm, I'm not by any means an expert, but I have, uh, gone through a little bit of LL's, uh, 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 training. Okay. Uh, the closest thing that I can find to it is like what the Quakers do in their meetings where everybody just sits in silence. And then when someone feels moved, they stand up and they speak. It's very much like that. And if you if you look at it this less exotic, authoritative way and more as um, just becoming a different version of yourself, a one that's more focused on helping and more attuned to the best and highest within yourself, then that identity doesn't really matter so much because it's about the information. And so a lot of what uh, the Confederation talks about uh, in their messages to us is uh, getting out of our own way to a certain extent. If we can tune ourselves to give our highest and best in normal life, 
then aren't we to a certain extent channeling even when we go to the grocery store and we 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 uh, run, you know, run into somebody else uh, accidentally and we use as an opportunity to, to 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 apologize and show them love to the best that we can. We're opening up that channel from the high on. Uh, 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 to allow us to manifest our best and highest in a very fallen, uh, frustrating, limited world. Um, You know, uh, oh man, there's so many ways I could, places I could go with this, but- Jeremy, pause. I do think- I pause because you you told me this and it it was just so clear. I love the way you articulated this and you're going to have to rehash this because I'm not going to do it well. Something about- Service, the concept of service is just channeling. Is that it? <laughs> uh, bringing, uh, bringing your highest and best to every situation and putting a finer and finer point on that through your practice of meditation, through your discipline of personality to understand yourself better, to understand your triggers and your faults and your strengths so that you can make all of that available to the creator. I, there's a, there's something that Hatan says about letting love live your life, mm-hmm. recognizing that you're not, you as a limited, conscious, veiled individual are not going to win this, right? Yeah. It, 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 first of all, you have to get out of the idea that it's a it's a contest at all. Sure. <laughs> but I I grant I grant that all of us, if we're thinking about this as an intellectual exercise, the living of our lives to our best advantage. Uh, we're going to approach it that way. And you, all of the Confederation is saying, all they're saying is that there's another option available. Try it on. See how you like it. Hmm. And hmm. I believe that, like, for example, this is the deeper message of Jesus, too, which is to be receptive to the creator and to let your actions in the even the hard situations be a way of the creator reaching and, 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 and showing love in the particular ways in phenomenal reality that only we will be in a position to do, right? Mm. Uh, confederation entities say, you know, we can't get involved in the day-to-days of, of, of human life. Mm-hmm. You are our boots on the ground. You are the ones that have to make yourselves available to the creator and let that higher vibration step down into that lower vibration where it does just the right thing in a way that you can't possibly evaluate or even know if you're doing right. Sure. And that's where faith comes in. I think of it as um, if you've ever uh, heard of that story from the 1900s or 1800s, uh, I think it's called Flat World. It's about it's a story about two dimensional entities like two dimensional beings. I've heard about this. and they get visited by a sphere and they're fascinated that when the sphere passes through the plane that they live on, the circle that the two dimensional people see gets bigger mm-hmm. and smaller. Um, what we are doing is we are trying to step down and project from a much more like uh, high vibration, uh, all encompassing, totalizing, loving place that we all come from and we all at some level recognize and remember mm-hmm. uh, we are trying to remind people through our actions, not through preaching to them, but through our actions, through being an example. That's what Jesus did. He set an example and you too will do these things that I do. And what he did that was important. Wasn't the miracles. 
Yes. It was the love. Yes. It was how he inspired people. Yes. And the Confederation is very adamant that we, there is no reason that any of us cannot follow in the master's footsteps and do these things ourselves in the way that matters, in the way that only we, as unique portions of the creator, can do. We are completely irreplaceable. There is a take that we have on truth, beauty, love, that only we can provide to the world. And all we have to do is get uh, our personalities to become more and more transparent to the light that's already shining through us, to the love that's already coming through us. We just need to get a little bit more out of its way than we did before. And that is a, that's a, that is a beautiful and inspiring way for anybody to live, regardless of what you believe in. Definitely. Definitely. They do hit that often that Jesus lived by example and perhaps where Christianity might focus on, focus on why he died. The Confederation focuses on how he lived. And I do love that. And there's, there's an idea I've been, I've been trying to work through that, that uh, I put a lot of faith in that idea that whatever Jesus did when, when he was here on earth, the miracles, if we want to call them that, all of that is possible. And I say that because the, the Confederation says all of that is possible if you understand what Jesus understood. And that is, we are, we are all one, the same, the same old law of one. We are all one. We are all the creator. We are all brothers. Um, I am, I, I just give you my love. It's, I didn't heal you. That was the creator. That was, you know, that was, it's not magic, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I'm starting to put faith in that because you go on YouTube and just just check out some near-death experience stories. Just check out a few of them. You don't even have to do many because so many of them are the same. Yeah. And what blows me away is for so many, when they when they go to the other side, when they pass away, they go to the other side, they experience, most of them, not all of them, most of them experience unfathomable love infinite love they get a taste of what that is like and most of them don't want to come back to earth but they get pushed back to earth and when they come back life is hard they usually have to recover i mean they did die you know they got to recover but something's different about them that veil is thinned they have more they tend to have more psychic abilities um weird things happen to them they can feel people's energy a bit more they're they're their thought, the weirdest things happen to people who get a little taste of that unconditional, unfathomable, infinite love. And so I'm starting to, you know, I'm starting to put two and two together, so to speak, that perhaps that is, that is true, that the way that Jesus lived was meant to be by example, that it's not about how he died. It's about how he lived. And if we could come to terms with that, if we could rediscover that, perhaps we too could be could be um, able to achieve what he achieved. Um, but that was just one connection I made with, you know, people who've, uh, who've passed away and come back and the, the uh, similarity of their stories, but just the fact that, yeah, they get one taste of that, that infinite love, what they, you know, what they, they think of as God, or some of them even run into Jesus, you know, they say. So um, mm-hmm. I want to experience that. I don't want to die, <laughs> but I would love to experience that that feeling of infinite love. I wish I could, 
wish I could tap into that. I'm not sure if that's something that just that would take practice or exercise or more meditation, but if that exists out there, I would love to search that out and experience it. You want to see the teacher's answer sheet. <sighs> you right? caught me. You because, caught me, Jeremy. Yeah, I do. I, I do. do. Too. I, do too. <laughs> I totally do. But it's it's totally possible. Um it is it is completely within our ability to do that. And I think as we go through these messages more and more, not only will we discover uh, more clearly what that means, but we may even start to change and the listener may start to change uh, their ideas about uh, uh, what that entails. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like what, it, what, it, what is what, living a good life may be different than we thought it is. Right. It may, it may have different uh, uh, things that we emphasize rather than what society or our parents told us. And like, yeah. these are all, uh, this is, this is a, this is where I really, um, this is my hobby horse in the law of one is, uh, that I think that a spirit of curiosity is the most useful thing to bring to this. Not one of devo- like necessarily devotion or blind faith or like discipline in this harsh, uh, 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 concept, but instead, just being curious about yourself, the nature of experience, and how much mystery is out there, how much we don't understand, and how much we partake of that uh, we could participate more and more consciously in. We could witness it more and more uh, diligently, and uh, we could be there for each other in new and interesting and uh, uh, inspiring ways, right? Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <clears throat> just be speaking from from my personal journey my personal experience that it's been it's been slow but i recognize there's there hasn't been one specific moment of okay now i'm on this path now i'm over here but i've noticed that the more you practice for example the more you practice trying to understand where someone else is coming from the more that becomes almost a natural, you know, doesn't mean that frustration goes away. (laughs) You know, when someone cuts you off, doesn't mean that frustration goes away, but the more you practice it, the more you start, it just becomes more natural and you are able to, to dampen that frustration, not even dampen it. That frustration becomes less and less, um, the more you practice it. I mean, I guess that's all, that's all I can say, but it's a uh, go for it. You know, uh, uh, one of the things that Ra talks about, or maybe it's not raw, maybe it's quo, uh, but they're talking about, I remember, I think I might've asked this question about something about suffering in animals. Right. Mm. And they said, the animals don't suffer. They feel pain mm-hmm. and they hurt, but they don't suffer because they have no concept that the pain is wrong. It's just, where they're at right then. Oh, that's that's next and level. And that's a lot of what causes our suffering. It's not the actual thing. It's our idea that it's somehow wrong and it needs to be resisted or corrected or something like that. And this is an area where I have been uh, a quite a uh, neophyte student mm-hmm. in looking at those moments that cause me to tighten up. Uh, the, the Pima Chodron calls it the squeeze, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's when you feel that initial contraction. And, you know, everything in nature contracts when it's threatened. You know, you, she says you touch a sea anemone and it like 
it, it, it tenses up and, and closes up. We all have that. It's our part of our animal nature to re, to protect the self and to react to things that we perceive as threats in this way. And so I think that there was a Hatan recently where they talked about, you know, you are you are the animals that have spirits that have discovered the spirit complex and third density. Mm-hmm. And you are you have on a day on a moment by moment basis the choice of whether you're going to view a phenomenon that occurs to you like an animal would as a potential threat or a potential food source or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, you know, you can intellectualize that. That's essentially what, you know, things like capitalism or like government or, you know, all these things are just like ways of trying to stabilize and make us comfortable. Sure. Or you can look at it like a spirit and see the wind blowing through everything that's making it all resonate in these different ways. And where does your note fit in? Right. Hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. I had a I had a thought, but then it disappeared when I was listening to you um, riff on that. That was great. <laughs> I'm just I was thinking that humans are built for suffering, you know, because it doesn't matter your station in life. We all know we all have heard of we've all heard of stories or people people who are in extreme poverty, but happier than people. I used to be a music teacher. I used to be a, uh, I used to run high school percussion programs and I taught, um, within two years, I taught it at two different, it just was a transition, but I taught in two different school districts. One, um, was less well off and the other was extremely affluent. And the problems were the same for the kids. And it was just a perfect example that it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter where you're at. You're, you, if you're at level one, okay, you're going to have problems. If you're at level two, if you're at level 10, you're going to have problems. It doesn't matter how much money you have, you know, within, within reason, it doesn't matter your health. It, it matters your choices and your attitudes about, you know, and I do, and I love how the Confederation material can help again, kind of provide a template for how you can, how, how you can view that, you know, how you can, make better choices or, or at least analyze what is happening. Um, still fleshing out that idea, but it's, it's, um, it was just a very, a very good lesson to, personally, because, you know, when you're, yeah. I was a music teacher, I'm not making a whole lot, you know, I personally was struggling and, you know, here I am almost 15 years later in a much better place, but am I that much happier? Am I, you know, is it not a whole lot is different, oddly enough. <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot about, I mean, we're going to explore these themes uh, much more in uh, subsequent episodes, but it's a lot about acceptance Mm -hmm. and uh, not fighting against your experience, but like being where you're at and having the faith to know that you uh, planned this pre-incarnatively and uh, you haven't put anything in front of yourself that you can't handle. And it's supposed to be a challenge because it's supposed to shine a tiny candle's light into what otherwise is very dark. That is the work that we are doing. We are not, nobody expects us to be perfect. Nobody expects us not to make mistakes. Uh, What is expected is that we shine our lights as much as we can. And we have faith that the creator will put us in those situations where we can do the most service and learn the most about ourselves and the most about the creator. Yes. Amen. 
Amen. Well, I think we have been going at this long enough for today. <laughs> Let's give the listeners a break. We'll give them a break. Um, <laughs> we're going to try to do these weekly. We're going to try to get do one of these a week. What do you think? Uh, if it if it goes as well as it did today, I'm down for it. Yeah, this was great. Yeah, my kid's been sleeping for over 90 minutes now, so it, I think it's going to be a good afternoon at least <laughs> where I'm at. Fantastic. But, uh, wonderful. Well, Jeremy, as always, a pleasure chatting with you. I love chatting with you about all this stuff. So thank you. Well, thank you for, thank you for uh, extending the invitation to participate on this podcast. And thank you so much there for, for doing the living love and light podcast. It is so fantastic to find somebody who cares about that early conscious material as much as you and I do. And I know that, uh, one of the reasons that this podcast is going to the living love and light podcast is going to matter is it's going to expose more people to this slowly over time. Mm. And I think what we will do is it will uh, flush out the Confederation's message so that everybody has, it's not everybody likes raw. So everybody <laughs> will have a place that they can dip in. Yes. Yes. I agree. I know I enjoy it. I hope, you know, like, like raw said, if you help one, do we not help all? So I'm just happy. I'm happy that I found you out of it. So, uh, you know, even if, if we find one more person, even we're, we're, we're both winning. So <laughs> there, and there's, there's, uh, people who out there that we should talk to, um, who can speak even, uh, from their perspective, um, on, on these things. Uh, cause there's a lot of them out there and there's one that's right for a listener, right? Definitely. Definitely. All right, sir. Well, everyone, thanks for checking in until next time. This is inaudible.